Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Goodwood preview. This is the preview of day three of the Guitar Goodwood Festival. Glorious Goodwood, as we have always known it. And I'm joined by two experts in the field, hoping to provide many a winner for all of you listening and watching. We've got Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding, and uh, Sam Turner as well, the tipster for the Daily Mail, joining us too. Two good friends on and off the track, but today being joined over Skype with myself. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us today. Yeah, Cheers, George. Good to be here. Good stuff. Let's get straight into the racing. As I mentioned, we are previewing Thursday's racing here, so day three. We're recording just after 11 o'clock on Monday. Uh, so it's fair to say three days before, you know, we're, we're still 24 hours away from final decks for the day. So a couple of these... Grace we're talking about will cut up a fair bit, but we'll try and keep you posted with that and try and kind of caveat all our tips just to make sure you are aware that there's no guarantee that these horses will necessarily run. Uh, the first race uh, there isn't a market for at the moment. That is the um, Mirabeau en Provence handicap, the 110 at Goodwood. There isn't a market up on the odds checker site yet for this race. There will be probably tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but as ever with these ones, guys, if there, is there anything you've seen in this race that, that takes your fancy this early stage? Or should we move straight on to the second race, which we can preview uh, in, in a bit more depth? Um, yeah, I think Electric Ladyland's got to be short list material in that first race. Not really my kind of bag of five furlong sprint handicap three holes uh, to kick off the car. But um, Samuel allude to as well. She's been clocking some good numbers this season, particularly the one at Windsor. Um, when she uh, beat a decent field, her sectionals are very good as well. I think she did 32 and change, which I don't think I anything doing that kind of uh, split uh, at the uh, Berkshire Venue this season. And she's, of course, some distance win as well. So if she bags a decent draw, she's probably one to, to put in your uh, your permutations in the first race. But no, yeah, it's too early, too early on the uh, on the on the card, or too early in advance to have a real strong view. So electric lady down there for Archie Watson, already dropped up by Holly Doyle, and a pretty potent duo those two are as well. Sam, anything to add to that before we move on? Yeah, other than she'd be on my shortlist as well, along with Magical Journey, who was second to Love Powerful um, on soft ground at Haydock. I don't really think that saw her to the best of lights. I think now the ground's probably going to dry up by the Thursday with some nice weather moving in across uh, Sussex. So I think Magical Journey would be a player there. Um, Electric Ladyland, two from two for Holly Doyle. Obviously a Goodwood winner, goes on any ground. I think she's very versatile, Philly, loads of speed. The stable continue to churn out winners. Um, and obviously Holly, you know, she's almost pushing 40 winners already this year. She's been astonishing. So um, they, those two would be my shortlist at this early stage. Absolutely. Then the top two, Magical Journey and Electric, <clears throat> Electric Ladyland, the two to look out for here in the first. We'll now move on to the previews proper. And before we do so, I just want to point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. It is the best place to find the best prices, the best bookie offers, the best free bets. And of course, some of the best tipsters around. I'm aware we've got one on the line who you can't find there. But with Andy, you have one of the best in the business. <laughs> and you can find those tips exclusively on the Odds Checker app every morning throughout the year. Um, so this is the Unibet You're Hired handicap. The Thursday, the second race of the day, the 145. And Zabil Champion is the current market leader at 13 to 2. Mafia Power, 7 to 1. Magical Morning, 8 to 1. Magnetized, 9 to 1. HMS President and Bright Melody and Alsate all 10 to 1, 12 to 1 bar. There are plenty in this at the moment. We can expect a good fair few of them to come out, you'd think. But at this early stage, Andy, 
who is catching your attention? Well, it's certainly a race that's now watered down because of the mile and a quarter handicap, super type mm. race on, on the day before. Um, with the likes of Mambo Knights and um, Sarvan um, going, going in other directions. They're, they're going down the uh, mile and a half route. Surprisingly, Zabil Champion having won probably the best mile and a quarter race run so far this season in this category, three-year-olds, middle distance. Um, that race at Newmarket, he won. He's, he's now dis- they've decided to bump him up to a mile and a, mile and a half. He certainly doesn't lack the stamina based on his run um, when he won at Newmarket, and he's a big, strong type, so he'll just keep galloping. He's likely to be a very short-ish pr- uh, price favourite. I'd certainly have a lot of time for Mafia Power as well, who I thought impressed with his manner of his victory at Haydock. It was a very competitive field. It was quite an inclement day. You know, it went on the soft side and he really did grind it out. He always looked in control. Uh, and I think the handicapper still might not have uh, fully got him off a mark of 85. And then you've got one or two refugees um, from, you know, the, the the big King George handicap at, at um, Ascot down the line. Um, win o'clock. He didn't get the best of runs through that day. Um, he's gone on to win subsequently at, at Leicester. I think he's a nice horse going forward. Plenty of others you can throw into the mix. Uh, but, yeah, th- those have been my shortlisted horses anyway. Look at these uh, in advance. So, when o'clock, the only one I hadn't mentioned there was next on the list at 12 to 1 across the board. Sam? Yeah, I think it's a good point that Andy makes that, um, obviously, we've got a number of these sort of handicaps across the week. And with a long meeting such as this, five days, a lot of these horses have double entries. Um, and, obviously, Zabil... Um, the favourite uh, Zabil champion had, I think, two or three entries. So that I wouldn't be surprised if he takes up a couple of them, knowing the way that Mark Johnson operates at this meeting and the fact that he's not bringing the team down from Midland that he would do in normal years as well. So he might look to get a little bit more out of the ones that he actually has there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him ship up in a couple of these races to be a champion. The, the one horse that catches my eye a little bit here and... Um, the Cole team have already pulled this off this year with, with winning with a top weight in a good quality handicap with Highland Chief. It's Celtic Art. And the Hayes, the, the owners, Fitri Hay and his wife, they, they really love, um, Fitri Hay and his husband, um, really love a winner at Goodwood. So I think Celtic Art um, makes a, makes plenty of appeal. We'll go on any ground. I think he's ready for a step up in trip. Um, having watched a couple of his races from last year, obviously finished second to Malatham. Um, in the convivial at York. I mean, that's, you know, red-hot form. Um, and it's been around Goodwood a couple of times. I think with a decent draw, I think 14-1 to 1 for Celtic Art is quite appealing. Um, and the other one that I quite like the look of, because the race is just starting to work out quite well, is Fiji. Um, second at Newcastle last time. The horse has already come out of that and won. He's been around Goodwood, albeit behind Khalifa, Staff, Khalifa Sat even. Um, didn't quite get the trip that day. I think back over a mile and a quarter in handicap company. Um, off 87, that looks a very fair handicap mark to me on, on what he's done so far. So he was another one at sort of 14, 16 to 1 that made some appeal at this early stage. Sam, that 14, 16 to 1 you mentioned is all gone, I'm afraid. But VBET, oh, right, okay. VBET are out with the classic price of 13 to 1, that age-old favourite. of the, Yes, of yeah. <laughs> the Fiji, one I always like. <laughs> yeah, unlucky for many, but hopefully not this yes. time. Um, but Fiji is 13 to 1 at the moment, best price with VBET, 12 to 1. Elsewhere for, for David Simcock and and you mentioned the um, Paul Cole and Ollie Cole horse uh, Celtic Art is mm. fourteen to one as it stands at Bet Three Six Five and Skybet and you know look at the form figures just four starts and since uh, five starts sorry and since finishing eleventh on debut form figures of second second first and second 
you'd be hopeful for a run for your money and two of those runs coming at Goodwood, as you mentioned as well. So a fair case to be made there. It, it, it's also the only entry he's got this week as well. So I'd be surprised if um, if he didn't take that up. You can go into it with some confidence. You'll be getting a, a run for your money. should point out just here that if you do back any of these and they come out because bef- it's before um, final decks, you will uh, lose your money. It won't be refunded. So ensure that you do do your research into whether or not they're going to run. And it's probably worth just waiting until the final decks to, to have your bet, just to make sure that you are going to be covered by the, the non-runner insurance that, that bookies will apply after that. Uh, anything else to add before we move on to the Richmond stakes? No, that's me done. Yeah, Stuff. same here. Yep. We will move on then to the Richmond and uh, Yazaman is the 11-4 to favourite ahead of Admiral Nelson at 9-2. to Kader uh, is 5-1, to one. Supremacy 6-1, to one. Gussie Mack 8-1, to one. Army of India 17-1, to 10-1 bar. Sam, we'll come to you first here just to mix it up a little bit. Can't let uh, Andy get first run every time. Um, six furlong affair, as we say, yeah, it is at the top of the market. We have uh, William Haggis and Tom Markland, another potent duo. But Yazaman, do you think that's, do you think he's a fair favourite? I do because uh, you know I think both of those recent runs, obviously at Ascot um, and last time at Newmarket in the the July stakes, were, were top efforts. I think he's a clear form pick. Um, I was taken with the fact that he he stepped up from five to six. <laughs> Has he looked as though he would really? I mean, he had a, a pretty traumatic run at Ascot in the Windsor Castle, but really emerged with a plenty of credit. Tactical got the dream run at the Stands Rail, whereas Yazaman didn't get a particularly clear passage through, and I still thought he ran. Absolute blinding race, really, for a big prize. Um, and then he backed that up and Tactical confirmed the placings, but he'd obviously thrived, progressed, and really appreciated the stretch out to six furlongs himself. So I don't think there's anything uh, disgraceful about the defeat for Yazaman. Um, I think William Haggis has run four horses <laughs> in this in the last 10 years. One's won, the other two have been placed. So he's only had one loser in four. And, it, you know, it just looks a natural stepping stone for Yazaman. I thought he would be my first choice. And... The other one I quite like was Supremacy, whose um, form from Windsor has already taken a boost. Um, should have taken a couple more boosts as well. I thought Collins Bay was unlucky not to win at Ascot over the weekend, and he was held back in third. Um, Knight on Earth, who we we'll perhaps talk about later in the pod, um, was well down the field and came out and bolted up next time out at Windsor. So those are really, really good efforts, I think, in behind Supremacy, who's going the right way at the moment. And obviously the draw has some bearing on this race obviously with it being a straight track race but you know I'd be disappointed if he didn't um, he didn't go well and build on what he's already achieved supremacy given the, the times that he's clocked a compelling case there made there Andy yeah I'd be on the same uh, him straight with um, Yazaman with Sam um, lots to like about his Ascot run he was drawn for that day Sam's already alluded to he, you know he did really well to get within hailing distance of a very impressive winner who and went on to confirm that run with a victory in the July stakes. Um, he beat Carter fair and square. Carter had the run of the race from the front and couldn't put him away. And really, Carter kind of represented the the worst of the um, one of the worst of the two-year races. Ask on the figures, and that was that, that was the Coventry, which bizarrely threw up a really bad figure for once this year. So it it, it tended to suggest that we're, we're dealing with not a particularly strong six furlong category. The ones that have moved up from the five furlong category into that. Um, into that um, group have gone a little bit better. And Admiral Nelson, of course, who was favourite to win the, the Coventry, also let the team down as well. So you really want to be against Carter and Admiral Nelson, and they're priced up sort of 
in and around a three to one, four to one mark. So if you didn't want to back Yazaban, and I do think, by the way, 11 to four is a big price, I think he should be a good deal shorter based on form and a Yascot run. Um, Sam's mentioned supremacy. I'd probably throw in Gussie Mack into the, into the arguments, who caught the eye first time out, uh, having a bad trip through in that Eye of Heaven race at Newmarket. He went to Wolverhampton, won a fairly low race and struggled to beat what one of Hugh and Morrison's who subsequently got beat called Rooster. So that form alone won't stand him in good stead. But I thought he was really good at Sandown last time out. He was off the speed and he, he run down a horse of car butts called Significantly late on. Um, the time figure was good for that race. His last two furlong split was good. And I think we always tend to underestimate all the market and punters do. Also, he's trying by Roger Till, but as we saw with Oxted. He's very much a man to have on your side at these big meetings. And you do get good bang for your book backing one of his because they, they, they should be a lot shorter in the market than what they are for what they've done on the course. And he's around about eight to one. So if I wasn't going to back Yazaman, I could have a bet now thinking, well, if there's a couple of non-runners and it goes out to seven, then he'd be one uh, I'd be looking to get with because Jack Mitchell is already jocked up to, to run. So I presume he'll come here. You've mentioned, Andy, taking on the Coventry form. Do, do you think that because of the high-profile nature of those races often horses that have run well at Ascot. I mean, even someone like Carter, who, who finished fourth. Do you think there's an angle here to basically get against those high-profile horses who, who've had a high-profile run and side with those who maybe come into this, you know, with this being their first uh, test on the bigger stage? Well, definitely. I mean, normally you'd just say the commentary form is good without knowing the, the sort of facts. But the, the tangible evidence that me and Sam have, obviously having done time figures for years now, is that there's usually like a a benchmark for, for a, a group race, two-year race at Ascot. And that was well below what you'd normally expect. Um, without getting into the sort of finer details of what they should have run to, it was probably around about three or four lengths slower than what you'd normally expect. And so, therefore, you look for the clues out of the race. Is it as bad as what you think? Always the figures just not telling you um, the, the full story. And straight away, you've only got to look down to the ones that have run out of it. They've all run below pole. They haven't won. Sayika was disappointing the other day. Obviously, you know, the, the runner-up card got beat. And there's plenty of others as well down the line have either struggled or failed to sort of build on that. Yes, what two have run well. And there has been winners, Army of India, right the way down the list. But generally speaking, of the ones that are in, heavily involved in the front end of that race haven't really gone forward as the general public, if you like, would have thought they would. Um, so, yeah, I'd be looking to get against most of those horses because they are still priced up as though they've, you know, they've mm. ran well in the Coventry, and the, the Coventry is still the race that everyone thinks is, you know, one of the one of the better ones from the festival. A nice angle there, Yazaman, eleven to four, pretty much across the board. Sam mentioned Supremacy, who's six to one, with a few firms, and Gussie Mack is eight to one. Uh, that's with Skybet, uh, Betfair, Sportsbook, Bet Victor, Paddy Power, Bottle Sports, and Genting Bet. That's the one that Andy gave a positive mention for. For Roger Teal, uh, on now to the uh, the Gordon Stakes, the John Pierce Racing Gordon Stakes, and we have English King at the top of the market at five to two. The former Derby favourite, uh, Tiger Moth, five to one alongside Al Asi, Khalifa Sat eleven to two, Mogul six to one, Delphi ten to one alongside a few others at, at double figure prices as well. Andy, coming to you first here, and let's start at the top end of the market because it's pretty hard to really know what to make of, of those in here, such as English King and Mogul, who ran in what was one of the um, more surprising derby results uh, and the way the race panned out as well. So how do you analyse their performance in that race? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it, really? I mean, it was just 
a bizarre race. Obviously, we know crowd first and foremost, but just but the way it developed, I haven't seen a derby pan out like that since Sipanka won it many, many years ago when he got a long, long lead. Um, I don't think we should decry from Serpentine's victory. I think he was the best horse on, on, in the race on the day. Yes, he might have nicked a few lengths at the start, but he started to maintain what looked a very strong gallop from the start and obviously faltered late on and one or two horses were closing and were big eye catches such as English King. But I think Serpentine would probably beat that film most times over. Um, depends on how you interpret the ones in behind and how they figured, you know, Khalifa Set, who looked like he's going to come here, chase the pace and, and he was second best on the day. But then you look back at English King and think, well, he was around about 10 lengths behind Khalifa Set coming down Tattenham Corner and he's whittled the margin down to around about three or four lengths. So there is a school of thought to think English King will turn the form around with Khalifa Set. And then you've got the added uh, uncertainty of how many Aidan O'Brien's going to run. He's got six entered up. I presume he'll run one of his main ones, in inverted commas, i.e. maybe a Tiger Moth, and then run a, for want of a better phrase, a, a sacrificial lamb or a foot soldier to, to make the running or to, to give him an extra dimension to the race, just in case there's no pace. I don't know which one he is going to run, but if he ran Tiger Moth, then you know he's second in the Irish Derby, represents a good line of form, chasing home as um, Santiago. And, and Tiger Moth ties in with the likes of Serpentine and, and one or two others like your Dawn Risings. Uh, who ran in that Galileo crane race at, at the Curra. And that brings me on to Al Arzi as well, who, of course, beat Dawn Rising um, in the Bahrain Trophy. Quite nicely, I thought, quite snugly. It was a, it was a race that they went where they went a good gallop, and he, he outstayed them, didn't he, the Haggis runner? Um, and, of course, he then, before that, was involved in that helter-skelter gallop at um, Newmarket behind um, um, the likes of Vul- Vulcan Star and... Um, uh, was it Thunderous I think was in that race as well was it not I think Sam might be able to rem- um, jig-, jig my memory with that Mishriff was a winner Mishriff of course Mishriff yes we're, we're talking about horses that finished down the line um, and that form is just absolutely red hot I think I think the, the, the St Ledger's been muted as Al long term plan so if he wins this maybe he might go to the Volta Journal and then maybe straight on to the St Ledger but you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating race if you gave me a bet of the prices now if I could get an each way bet on Al Arzi that would probably be the route I'll go down at, at this very moment in time. Alazi, as I mentioned <clears throat> at the beginning of the discussion on this race, five to one, and that is with uh, William Hill and Eight Eight Export and Genting Bet. Sam, how do you see it going? Yeah, I, I think it's one of the races of the week. To be honest, um, you know, I, I'm not sure I've always said that about the Gordon Stakes. If I'm totally truthful, but I think it's an absolute belting race this year, obviously with the Derby form being brought in by the likes of English King and Khalifa Sat, and you know, it's probably the first real measure that we'll have about the strength of that that race, so that's fascinating, but you know, it's not as if they're just, you know, lining up and, and taking on, you know, one or two also runs here mm-hmm. I, like Andy, I've got a lot of time for Alazi. I've, I've been really a, a quite a public advocate for the Mishri form um, since doing the times really in the sectional times and the way that Mishriff sectional stacked up well against the guineas that weekend. Um, and, and thankfully the form's actually been, you know, played out really well. Um, you know, Vulcan star, Cherokee trail, Alazi itself, um, even the first King winning a handicap last week at Sandown at 50 to one, you know, and he was tailed off. He was beaten after four furlongs. So it's absolutely red hot form. Um, I think there was a few question marks at the time in, among the habit haggis, camp about you know how can Alazi run so badly really because I think he he went into that race with a fair bit of quiet stable confidence about him um, but he put that race 
um, out of his mind, really, with a good performance next time out on soft ground. And then, obviously, won the Bahrain Trophy in really, really grand fashion. I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on for the St. Ledger. It might be worth getting involved in the anti-post markets for that race. So I think he'd be my number one, and I think Tiger Moth would be would be very close to being my number two if he if he ran in the race, if he was allowed to take his chance. Obviously, the Leopardstown Maiden, which I know Andy's a big fan of, thrown up seven or eight winners subsequently. Um, obviously, he's got classic form off the back of that Santiago performance um, as well at the Curra last time. You know, obviously in the um, in the Irish Derby, which is another great run, only his third run of his career, uh, and to step forward from a maiden into that race was a, was a terrific effort. So those two. They're the ones I like at the moment. Obviously, we're not sure whether either of them will handle the track particularly. Um, this is a rather unorthodox test, as we know, and it'll be, be a bit more of, um, of a test of their metal and, and attitude and temperament. But at least Alazi's been at both new market tracks, providing he copes with a little bit of travelling. Same can be said for Tiger Moth, and I think both of them look sure to run big races. It's almost like you guys talk quite a lot about horse racing because you both come up with the same <laughs> with the same well, one again. <laughs> We are, we are obviously intrinsically linked through the, the speed ratings that I yeah. produce and the, the sectional times that Andy produces. So obviously there, there is a, a link and a correlation there. And I suppose after knowing each other for 30 years, we, we both tend to look for, the, <laughs> we look for the same thing. You know what they say, fools rarely differ, George. So um, <laughs> and that'll, be, that, that'll be the case. That same thing is winners, Sam. And that's what people listening and, and viewing want to get out of you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you've made a, made a very compelling case, of course, for Al Arsi at five to one. And, you know, this is a glorious Goodwood podcast or video. And you've given us a St. Ledger tip as well. Al Arsi is 10 to one for the Ledger with Bet365, Skybet, William Hill, 888 and Bet Victor, currently third in the market behind Santiago and Love. Um, so that is the the uh, the Gordon Stakes there. We'll move on now to this penultimate race we're going to be previewing on the Thursday of Goodwood, of Glorious Goodwood, uh, before there are a couple of races towards the end, which will we'll do the same, we'll flag up any horses that, that make appeal at the moment. And for the Nassau, we have Fancy Blue is the 7-2 to two favourite as it stands. Nazif, 7-2, to two, joint favourite. Magic One, 9-2. Deirdre, 5-1. to one. Queen Power, 10-1. to one. one Voice, 14-1. to one. Lavender's Blue. 20 to 1. Sam, come to you first here. Uh, shame. I know what Andy's going to say, so I'll probably preempt it. Seven runners, bit of a blow. Yeah. Um, obviously, Torquil not running is a bit of a blow as well for the for the race because she would have been a you know fantastic um, contender really in this race. But obviously, the Hamdan team are happy to to settle with Nazif. Um, and understandably so, really, because she's done exceptionally well to keep improving. Um, I think she's improved probably a stone since we saw her on the all-weather at, at Kempton beating Bilston Brooks. She managed to do that again on soft ground at, at Newmarket last time when we last saw her in the um, in the farmer stakes. Um, I'm probably going to be a little bit obvious, really, and just stick with last year's form, if I'm honest. And, you know, Deirdre, I thought, shaped with a good bit of promise at Sandown. I don't think that was her ultimate target this year. I think a lot of her training and conditioning has been sort of centred around this race, if I'm honest. Um, I thought she ran quite nicely behind Gaith. We've already seen the form thoroughly advertised subsequently. She looked, she just got a little bit outpaced um, between the three and the two, probably at Sander, but she was going on again at the line and closing back in on Magic Wand. And I thought that was a really nice race, just bringing her forward um, from that run in, in Japan back at the end of February. So I'd probably just take a chance with her. It'd be a, probably a small win bet for me. It's not a race that I'm particularly dogmatic about because 
I'm very fearful that the three-year-olds like Fancy Blue uh, and the four-year-old Nazi could step forward quite markedly on what they've achieved. But yeah, I just think that that coral eclipse form is is pretty rock solid, if I'm honest. Although Japan ran poorly, but he might just have recovered off having to chase Gaith, the beast that is Gaith. So mm. um, Deirdre wasn't quite in the the heat of battle um, for as long as him. Um, we've seen an able boost the form, so I'll be happy with her at five to one. Five to one, Deirdre at the moment with eight 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 sport. Andy. Yeah, it's good solid course and distance form, um, like Sam's already loaded to. Um, it's hard to get away from her credentials, having run respectably, I thought, in the Eclipse. Um, you know, she just looked a little bit flat-footed, as Sam said. There wasn't really much spark about her that day. I thought she just plugged on at the one speed, and you could make a strong case for Magic Wand upholding that form, who went by quite readily and, and then um, kept the sort of two-length advantage all the way to the line. So... Um, toss of the coin between those two, really. Um, but I suppose Deidre's got the advantages of running over this track, which quite a few of these haven't, including uh, the favourite as well, uh, Nozzy, which has got to be a, a point worth making. Um, you know, she's fairly versatile in running Ascot, Newmarket and, and flat tracks as well, such as Kempton. So it's not as if she hasn't gone down a hill and up a, up a hill. But you do like horses, really, that have gone round here before. I'm not sure Queen Powell will stay. She, she just looks a very, very difficult horse to win with. She often looks like she is going to win, but then doesn't quite see it out. They've tried her over a mile a quarter, tried her over a mile, and it hasn't quite worked. So we're really left with fantasy, fantasy blue, really. And I don't think there's a tougher three-year-old filly than, than this one, having, having watched her on the first two runs. She hung tough in, in the Irish 1,000 guineas when just beaten by Stabber Companion Peaceful. But if you go back and watch her uh, French Oaks uh, victory, um, you know she got her head down that day and just did not want to give up. Alpine Star got a lovely ride off the front. And she just get finding a finding all the way down the long straight. And um, she, she looks a real terrier. And I think Donico O'Brien's got a very, very, um, you know, hardy individual in, in his stable there. Uh, and obviously, with the, you know, the three-year-olds tend to do quite well in this race over the years. So I'd probably go against the, the conventional wisdom of, of, of track form and, and, and obviously the eclipse form and, and take a little bit of a chance with her. It's a shame Torquil doesn't run because... Uh, I've been quite impressed with her of the period mm. I was doing some French uh, analysis. She was one of the ones that was doing some good times and actually being visually impressive. Um, and, and one voice was really unlucky as well at the Curl last time. You go back and watch that race behind the uh, Lemista. That would have won half a yard after track if that would have got a clear run. And if Jessie brings her over, she adds an extra spice to the race. So you can make cases out for lots of these. Um, unfortunately, there's no each way betting, so it's got to be a win-only bet. And I'll, I'll go with, um, with Fancy Blue. Fancy Blue, uh, seven and two best price at the moment. Generally around about the eleven to four mark. Uh, Skybet three to one. Betfair Sportsbook and Paddies at one hundred to thirty. Interesting to note that they, those two firms, uh, Sportsbook and Paddies, whose odds are of course um, linked and are the same, uh, both have Nazif at fifteen to eight. So they have taken a big stance on those top two in the market, um, favouring Nazif there. Um, but for Andy, Fancy Blue, as I say, uh, is seven and two best price at the moment. Uh, the last race we're going to be analysing in detail on the Thursday is the nursery, the Gusborne nursery. And again, there are plenty in there at the moment. You can expect the race to cut up a fair bit. Uh, but at the moment, William Bly is the six to one favourite. Bonnie Rigg, eight to one. Uh, running back, nine to one. Desert History, uh, Basil, Basil Ikata, both ten to one. Calcutta Cup, eleven to one. 12 to 1 bar, but plenty in there. So hoping that you guys can give us a couple of bullets to be armed with when the race does cut up. 
Andy? I think they've got, I think they've got the right favourite, haven't they, Sam, here with William Bly. Um, mm. you know, that second behind Master of the Sea has been well advertised with the winner going on to win at Newmarket in a Group 2 subsequently. And then he won very easily at Haydock, uh, justifying favouritism. Both of those two performances have come on soft ground. So if the weather does dry out and it's supposed to as well, quite significantly as the week uh, develops, he could be just one not necessarily worth taking on, but just be, be a little bit more wary about. Um, I think the Fitri Hay um, duo down the bottom, both trained by Andrew Baldwin, are quite interesting, particularly Bonnie Rigg, who's got a mark of 77 off the back of two wins. But beat a horse last time out who got a freebie off the front at Newmark. And I was really impressed by the way, the way he quickened up and got the job done that day uh, in a bit of a tactical affair, which did probably suit him. Um, he comes out of half a decent maiden first time out. He's very difficult to assess just having the two you know, samples to go on. And, and, you know, his numbers haven't been able to develop. But my gut feeling is a mark of 77 is certainly something to work with. And if he, if David Probert chooses him over Carl Cutter Cup, which I think he probably will, I think he ran behind Guru, didn't he, the other day in that good maiden at Newbury from a bad draw. Um, either one of those two are very interesting, but mostly Bonnie Rigg out of the two. As I mentioned, Bonnie Rigg, second in the betting at the moment and is currently 8-1 to one best price. Calcutta Cup is 11-1. to one. David Probert currently dropped up for both, which might suggest one of them will come out. So be fairly wary backing either now, I would probably suggest. Uh, Sam, where are you looking here? Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Bonnie Rigg fan. Um, certainly be on my shortlist for this race. It, it, it is quite a lengthy shortlist, that's all I would say. Um, Not a so, long list. It's a, Difficult race, yeah, yeah. It's a long shortlist. Um, <laughs> John Quinner, if he turned out again after that Beverly performance where he went up the rail, I thought he was interesting as well. But double figures, um, and there's one at a huge price, I think, probably twenty-five to one. Horse called Broxy for Keith Dalglish. Now Keith's horses aren't running fantastically well at the moment, but he won that Musselburgh novice auction up at uh, Musselburgh. Surprisingly enough, um, <laughs> the second Grantley didn't run too badly in New York. Um, similar race to this, but Samara Bay, who was fourth, it was only a small field, but Samara Bay came out and won very cosily at Catrick. Um, I do think he could be quite nicely handicapped, Broxy, um, the kind of horse that, that might run well. But just bear in mind that there's there's been one winner of this race in the last 10 years that's had a double-figure draw. Um, I think that was a horse called More Than Ready for, for Richard Fye. He was drawn 10 of 17. Um, and then that horse was sold to run in, in Hong Kong, I think, and won four off the reel, four handicaps off the reel. So, wow. That, that shows you it's quite difficult to try and overcome a, a wide draw in this race. And, you know, the single-figure berths could be the ones just to concentrate on. We don't have that data and information to hand just as yet, but when they do um, finally come through the declarations, just factor that into your thinking, I think. So maybe the advice here is to make your own long shortlist of the likes of William Bly, Bonnie Rigg, uh, John Keener. Uh, you mentioned uh, Broxy there, and then wait for the draw to come out, see who has a low draw, and that's when you pull the trigger. Yeah, and I think with a lot of firms, you know, that there looks like there'll be a good a good declaration for this race. There's, there's plenty of entries at the five-day stage. I think with a lot of firms offering, you know, ex- extended places as well, um, you could probably back two or three in there if the prices are right. So just look to play that way, I would. So nice and patient. But as you say, Broxy, 25 to 1 with uh, a fair few firms as well. And that seems to be the way that Sam is leaning at the moment. Uh, we've got a couple of races to, to finish the day that at the moment aren't priced up. The, the 420 is a is a maiden uh, and the 455 is another handicap. So starting with, with the maiden, are there any horses entered that, that you guys have are looking forward to seeing whether they run, let's say? Sam? 
You can have first. <laughs> yeah, I thought I might get thrown this ball first. Um, <laughs> in a word, I, I haven't done a lot of work on the race. I've been sort of predominantly looking at handicaps and the, the pattern races, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, Soft Whisper was a filly that I, I thought shaped pretty well at Salisbury. I know she was a beaten favourite that day, but uh, it's very rare for Sai Binsaro to have a first-time out winner. Um, she ran behind Prado. Oh, Prado did extremely well to win. I thought it was a really classy performance. And we haven't seen Soft Whisper since that day, um, back on the 11th of July. But I think she's been probably kept for this race. I'd imagine she'd step forward pretty markedly. Um, daughter of Dabawi, if she gets a fair draw, then she could be one that's that's fairly interesting. But not a race I've done a lot of work on, to be honest, George. Soft whisper there, Andy. You are the you know the, the two year old king, let's say. So, are you going to give away your secrets now, or are you going to make us wait till Thursday morning? Yeah, I wouldn't be looking to have a bet in the maiden at this stage, uh, but I'll, I'll be very interested to see the betting coming through for, for the final race. Um, mm. There's a there's a horse trained by Nigel Tinker called Acclam Express that. I was really impressed with it at Hamilton. I don't want watch many Hamilton races nowadays, um, or certainly bet there anyway. But having 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 done his section, sectionals, he looked a very good horse when he won that day. Um, Sam backed it up with the time figure that he sent me that horse doing, um, and it's very difficult to sort of equate that into into what he's likely to do outside of just northern modest form. But I've just got a sneaky feeling he's above average. And it's not as if Nigel Tinker hasn't got the odd, decent two-year-old in his mitts this season. You better believe it. Who won uh, at um, Sandown the other day at um, mm. Group 3 contest. He looks very good. And he, he won a, not a similar race at, at Doncaster the time before. But it was, it was obviously a race on, uh, with regards to stepping stone for the future. Um, I think my mark of 77 could well underestimate this horse in quite a big way and because it's a tinkler horse down south and there's going to be you know several big names here um mm. he might well just slip under the radar i'm not sure who will ride um so if he does get a decent solid jockey booking I, I, you know i'm looking down the list here I, I don't see ocean murphy down for anybody it, let's say one of the big boys gets gets the leg up on him and i'm sure uh, connections will, will look to get um, someone half decent he could be very much worth a, more than a second look. Atlam Express there, um, one to look out for when the prices come up for the last race of the day, the 4.55, the Five Furlong Nursery on the Thursday. Sam, any any in there for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the, as Andy alluded to, the speed figures I got for him were, were very, very good at Hamilton. Um, I would have thought Rowan Scott would probably ride, but you never know. Nigel Tinkler might get one of the... the the top boys or girls. I mean, you use Holly Doyle a number of times on Queso, so that'd be a great booking. Just depends on what other horses she might be claimed for. The other one I like is is, is Different Face, who um, beat, a handy, uh, beat a horse that Andy knows pretty well, um, of George Scott's uh, bungled up in blue. But it was a good speed figure mm. at, at Lingfield. I noticed a Christmas that had um, her in two races, a conditions race on the first day, I think, or, or maybe the Wednesday, uh, and also in this race. So, I don't think she's running early on in the week, so I, I would imagine off a mark of seventy-seven, they just they, they can't resist having a having a tilt at this race. Obviously, they've had eight winners in the last couple of weeks. The so Christmas they've been going great guns. I thought, you know, with William Buick jocked up as well, um, those two, Acclam Express and Different Face, would definitely be my first port of call when looking at this race. She was she was second to Yazaman as well, um, first mm. time up. Only got beat a length at Yama, so. You could argue that collaterally, she's um, she's done really well to get in here off 77. So the two 77-rated horses there, 
me and Sam are very much suggesting they could be, you know, way better or way beyond what they've been given. I'm smelling a related each way double there on the day, maybe with the uh, with the uh, different face and, and Yamazan, but um, mm. but yes. we will see on the day. Looking forward to that market opening up then in the last race of the day. A couple there to keep an eye on in different face for uh, the father son combination of Simon and Ed Chrisford, and the Aklam Express for Nigel Tinkler. Thank you both very much for joining me today on, on Monday to preview Thursday's racing. Uh, Andy and I chatted through Tuesday's card before the weekend, and that's been live both on YouTube and on all podcast channels since then. We Before recording this, we recorded a Wednesday preview as well. So if you're listening to this before Wednesday and you want to see that, then you can find it in the same places. Thank you very much to both Andy and to Sam for joining me. You can find all of Andy's tips on the Odds Checker app. I implore you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're watching this video, it's because you like your racing and you like your betting. So I implore you to get the Odds Checker app, the best place for all bookie offers, free bets, best prices, and some of the best tipsters. Enjoy the racing, and most importantly, please gamble responsibly.